Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. We are live on this Lord's Day. Welcome, friends. Pro-Life Leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Our time of prayer together, our time of delving into the Word of God, which is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it is the Word of life. It is the Word of life, and we always bring the connection between the Word and our commitment for pro-life. So we thank you for all our, to all our regulars and uh, to those perhaps joining us for the first time. We always want to expand our online audience. So thanks for joining us. You know, we're at the end of the liturgical year, the church's year, finishes about a month earlier than the calendar year finishes. So this is the next to the last Sunday of the church's year. Next Sunday is the last Sunday of the church's year and the great solemnity of Christ the King. We're going to have some great reflections on that also next Sunday. But um, this Sunday we, we see, and during this week as you follow the liturgy you'll see, that the readings are talking very much about the second coming of Christ. He's coming back. We say Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. He promised His, his coming and Scripture is very clear about the fact that it comes. In fact, the Bible finishes with a cry, Come Lord Jesus. So we'll get into a little bit of that by focusing on today's second reading from Paul to the Thessalonians. So let's put ourselves in the presence of the Lord and delve into His Word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we are nothing without You, but in You we have everything. Life, salvation, the fulfillment of all our hopes and desires, we have everything in You, Lord God, because You care for us even more than we care for ourselves. We rejoice in Your grace, in Your gift. We rejoice in the opportunity to defend life, to defend the most vulnerable, the littlest children in the womb. We thank You for the opportunity to shape public policy and to challenge those who make it, especially when they forget the most fundamental purpose of government, the protection of life. How can they forget that? Enable us to remind them. Lord, we repent of our sins. Anything that we have done to offend you, we repent of that. Anything we have failed to do to serve you, we repent of that failure. And we will do more to serve and glorify you, to love our brothers and sisters. Enable us now to enter into your word of life and to prepare our hearts for your coming. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our reading is from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Concerning times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you have no need for anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When people are saying peace and security, then sudden disaster comes upon them, like labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness for that day to overtake you like a thief. For all of you are children of the light and children of the day. 
We are not of the night or of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as the rest do, but let us stay alert and sober. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, first of all, in regard to this reading, Jesus is is not a thief. He's not the bad guy who's coming. He's comparing, Paul is comparing the coming of a thief in the night to the coming of Jesus only in terms of its suddenness, its unexpected character. And the distress that it will cause is not because God wants to do us harm. God is not coming to cause upsetment or some, any kind of, of evil against us. Obviously, He's coming for us. The coming of Jesus is something we yearn for. We pray, come Lord Jesus. And by the way, that should be a more frequent theme of our prayers and a more frequent theme of our preaching too. The preaching and teaching of the church. I don't think it focuses enough on the second coming of Jesus. It doesn't focus enough on that. Maybe if we try to make some connection between the second coming of Jesus and climate change more more uh, commentators and preachers will pick up on it. Oh yeah, the climate is changing it. Jesus is coming. Maybe we connect the two. Maybe people will bring it up more frequently. He's coming back. Jesus Christ is coming back. Every eye will see him, scripture says, even of those who pierced him. That that that's a Can you imagine? Just imagine imagine the men who actually hammered the nails into Jesus' wrists on the cross, into Jesus' feet, will see that same body of Jesus coming on the clouds in glory. you imagine how they're going to feel? Every eye will see Him, even of those who pierced Him. It will come on a day we do not expect. But I want to probe a little bit about what this means when Paul says sudden disaster comes upon them. Again, but Jesus is not coming to steal from us. He's not coming to destroy. He's not coming to hurt or to harm. So in what way will this be, in what way will this be a disaster? Because of our attachment to sin. That's why. Both individually and as a culture, as a society, we've gotten enmeshed in sin. If day by day we are unmeshing ourselves from sin, curing ourselves of the lie of temptation which makes something evil look good, Stop making excuses and rationalizations and intellectualizations and just just lies that we tell ourselves about why going down the wrong path is somehow okay. If we, to the extent we succeed in doing that now while there is still time before the, the sudden return of Jesus, then it won't be so much of a disaster for us. But we know full well, even good people, even believers, are so enmeshed in sin that it cannot be anything but painful to have this sudden 
manifestation of the difference between sin and virtue. Public manifestation of who's right and who's wrong in terms of the way of life. Eh, that's painful. Notice how Paul puts it. When people are saying peace and security, sudden disaster comes upon them. What does that have to do with the coming of Christ? Because we're looking for our peace and security in the wrong place. That's the, that's the point. When Christ Jesus comes, everybody who doubted Him, everybody who criticized Him, those who pierced Him are going to be having a bad day. Those who tried to run away from him will realize, like Paul says, now, no escape. No escape. Now say it to his face. The people like to criticize Christianity, Christian beliefs, pro-life. They like to criticize all this. They criticize it to our face. But on the day of Jesus' return, they're going to have to criticize it to his face. It's not going to be too pleasant. Just when people are saying peace and security. The person going down the wrong road. Now again, I'm talking individually when we justify our own sins and corporately as a society when we justify sins like abortion, we think we're at peace. Hey, we got, we got, this is the right policy. We got the people who passed this, this nonsensical, tyrannical, destructive uh, uh, amendment in Ohio recently. Oh, oh, peace, peace. Oh, they have a celebration. Don't celebrate, folks. Don't celebrate. Don't celebrate victory for pro-choice because you know what? There's no such thing as pro-choice wins. It's not about pro-choice wins or pro-life wins or to talk more broadly that the way of God wins or the way of sinners wins. The fact of the matter is if pro-life doesn't win, nobody wins. If the ways of God and of virtue and of the kingdom and of the gospel don't win, nobody wins. Because it's the ways of God that are the ways of life. What's the alternative? You think you win with death? That's why in Deuteronomy, you know, God says, choose life, set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Notice he doesn't say, I set before you life and death, cursings and blessings. It's the other way around. He gives us the choice between the path of life or the path of death. We choose the path. We don't choose the consequences. We're not free to choose the consequences. If you choose life, you're going to get blessings. If you choose the way of God, you're going to find happiness. If you choose the way of the gospel, you're going to find fulfillment. There's your peace. There's your security. If you choose the way of sin, if you choose the way of wickedness, you're going to run into curses. You're going to run into devastation, gloom, the opposite of happiness, the opposite of fulfillment. We get to choose the path. We don't get to choose where the path leads. People confuse freedom with being almighty. Yes, you have the freedom to choose either virtue or sin. You don't have any authority about what happens next. This is what people don't get. Those that are pushing for more and more abortion. As someone is saying in the comments, Lady Cactus, I see you. 
Abortion is safe and effective. It's for our reproductive health. What a sick lie. And, and, and unfortunately, the way so many people realize that it's a sick lie is that they end up devastated. Right? I always believe in the dead end rule. You can ignore the signs that say that a road is a dead end. If you ignore those signs, you will soon learn by personal experience that it's a dead end. The Silent No More campaign. Look at abortiontestimonies.com. People who have learned, they got, to the, they got to the dead end. Now, some of them fell off the cliff altogether. They're dead too. Others, fortunately, by God's grace and by intervention of, of people like you and me and pro-life groups and the church, they were able to be brought back. They were able to turn around. They were able to repent. They were able to find healing. Rachel's Vineyard and all these other ways of healing. And they start walking down the road the other side, the other end, the other way. And they become the living sign to everybody else that, hey, don't go down this road. Again, you have the freedom to choose the road. But you don't get to decide where it ends up. Dead end rule. Those that are engaged in transgender and... and, and uh, gay lifestyle and all these other things. Okay, just, you don't get to choose where this ends up. You treat human nature with contempt. You pretend that you can be master and Lord. You're going to run into a brick wall and it's going to hurt. Your head is going to hurt. when you hit that wall. The prophets said, you see this in Jeremiah, for example, Woe to those who say, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Think about that. The sign of a false prophet. This is why in the Beatitudes, why did Jesus say, you know, in, in the, the version of Matthew, the Beatitudes is blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who are persecuted. In, in Luke's account of the Beatitudes, you have a, a, the other side of the coin. After the blessed, you have woe, woe to those who are rich, but woe to you. And Jesus says, woe to you when all speak well of you, because so did they do to the false prophets. The false prophets were applauded. The false prophets were applauded because they said, peace, peace, when there was no peace. The true prophet speaks the word of the Lord, the will of the Lord, not just about the future, about the present. Here's what the Lord thinks of what you're doing right now. And he reveals the truth. The false prophet just makes people feel good. Peace, don't worry. Don't worry. You're going down the road. of Don't worry. Don't worry about where it leads. Yeah, but we don't get to choose where it leads. It leads to the destruction. Going down the path of sin, false prophet says, oh, don't worry. Everything's okay, folks. Right to choose. This is great. We're going to celebrate. Yeah. Right. Have fun. Have fun, folks. Celebrate. I say to these pro-choice people, celebrate all you want. You're not going to change where that road ends up. So woe to those who say peace, peace, when there is no peace and get applauded in the meantime because you're basically, all you're doing is giving people the comfort and permission 
to go down that road of evil. And you know what you're doing? You're silencing their voice of conscience. The voice of conscience, which is essentially our own mind. I mean, don't think of conscience in a magical way. It's your own mind reminding you about what you learned is good versus evil. And that's why conscience can also be wrong. Because if you learned it wrong, your conscience is going to tell you wrong. Your conscience is not some kind of other entity entering into you. It's your mind. And your mind is reminding you before you take an action, wait a minute, I learned that that action is wrong. I better not do it. That's conscience. Don't don't overcomplicate it. But the voice of conscience, which is our mind reminding us what we know to be right or wrong, the voice of conscience gets distorted and it gets silenced by false prophets. That's why it's so dangerous what's going on when church leaders justify or appear to justify or even leave a little crack in the door open to justify things that are wrong, things that are contrary to the law of God, things that are contrary to His plan for marriage and human sexuality. You sow confusion and you're sowing destruction. Believe me, some people who are church leaders right now, clergy and giving a confusing message, I don't even want to think about how much they're going to have to answer for. When people are saying peace and security, well, some people are saying that because false prophets told them to say it. This is why the coming of Jesus is going to cause so much distress for so many people because here He is publicly on the clouds in the sky. Nobody can deny it anymore. You can't deny the teachings of Jesus. You can't distort the teachings of Jesus when Jesus Himself appears. You can no longer confuse people about the teachings of Jesus when there's Jesus face to face right in front of you now coming on the clouds and glory in the sky, people aren't going to be distracted anymore. You can't distract people from the teachings of Jesus when Jesus Christ has opened the sky and appeared. You see why it's going to cause distress? It's going to cause distress for those who are taking false comfort by changing His teachings. When Jesus Christ comes back, He's going to reclaim His gospel. From those who have been silent about it, first of all, boy, is it going to cause them pain. Oh, I hid the gospel. I hid the gospel. Well, now the gospel himself has appeared publicly. And then those who try to distort it and to change it or to comfort those who are rejecting it by their actions, he's coming to reclaim his gospel from the false preachers. Reclaim his gospel from the silent cowards and reclaim his gospel from those who in turn helped to silence those who are preaching the gospel. In in a little while, I'm talking to you live now, what is it, 1020 on Sunday morning. In a few hours, three hours, I'm going to be on Newsmax. They have me come on frequently as a regular contributor. And they want to ask me about the canceling of conservative priests. I was just talking over the weekend with Bishop Strickland. I know many of you are pray, praying for him. I see some comments about him in the, in, the, in the comments here today. And by the way, if you haven't already done so, let me just insert an invitation here to you to go to the website standwithbishopstrickland.org. It's a special page we set up. Standwithbishopstrickland.org. It's not a petition. It's a 
it's an opportunity for you to pledge prayers for him. And, we're, and he'll see all these. We're going to give these to him. And we're going to honor him also in January. So two things, two action items about Bishop Strickland. Number one, go to standwithbishopstrickland.org. Pledge him your prayers. And you can write a note to him and whatever you want to say. And, se- and secondly, the March for Life, if you're going to D.C., where we run the prayer service that morning, he's going to be there. And we're going to honor him in person. You'll be able to say hello to him. You'll be able to gre- greet, greet him. I know some of you are from far off. I see our friends from uh, England there, Suzanne, and many others from around the world that watch us. But those of you that are able to go to D.C., um, come, to the, come to Constitution Hall. You can go to nationalprayerservice.com to see the details about all that. So, friends, the Lord is coming back. The Lord is coming back. And as we're explaining here, for many, that's not for us who long for Him. For us who know His teachings, who spread His teachings, who are not afraid of Him, but who are repenting, who are trying to untangle ourselves. See, we can either untangle ourselves from sin the easy way or the hard way. Now, even the easy way is never easy. Repentance is hard work and it's daily work, but it's better to do it now than later. It's better to work and pray our way out of of the, 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 the net of sin the trap of, of, of temptation. It's better to work, climb our way out of it now than to be yanked out of it later. That's more painful at the coming of Christ. The question is we better hurry. The problem is we better hurry up because we don't know what day he's coming back. Could be today. Could be tomorrow. But he is coming. For us who long for him, It's going to be a day of great and tremendous joy and victory for the unborn. It will be a great and tremendous day of joy and victory. Because on that day, people will see that they too were made in His image and likeness. That these children represent Him. Let the children come to me. Of theirs is the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said. You don't get to push them aside just because they're small, just because they can't complain, just because they can't vote. You can't push them aside. He will exalt them. He will exalt you and me who have stood for them. And every trial that we have patiently borne in this life will be a cause of delight on that day. A cause of of delight. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Father, each and every person watching right now has needs and intentions. We bring them to you at this moment. We pray for each other for health, wisdom, guidance, consolation, discernment, comfort. Bring us, Lord, provision. Bring us what we need. Bless our leaders, Lord, in church and in state. We've got so much bad leadership, so much lack of leadership altogether. Bring that to change, Lord God. In the state, bring it to change by wise voting. Equip and encourage our citizens with the wisdom to vote the right way. Equip us, Lord, with wise voting 
And enable us, Lord, to turn to you today more than ever before. To follow you more closely. To proclaim you more clearly. To serve you with more love. And we now pray in those words that Jesus himself taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray to our Heavenly Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. So I'll see you in a few hours uh, on Newsmax. It'll be about 125. They'll have me on. We'll see you over the next couple of days with these scriptures. We'll do Monday and Tuesday. Then we'll have a little break for Thanksgiving, and we'll be back the following Monday. Uh, Sunday, rather, the Feast of Christ the King. A week from today, we'll be back. And then... Um, Meanwhile, our evening broadcasting is going forward full force, and I hope you catch our evening programs as well. Uh, all of you, brothers and sisters, um, again, go to uh, standwithbishopstrickland.org. Standwithbishopstrickland.org. You can leave a little prayer pledge there. And, of course, all of us who are in similar situations are uh, consoled by those prayers and good wishes as well. Talk to you soon. Have a great Lord's Day. And connect, stay connected with all that we're doing here at Priests for Life at the website endabortion.us. Talk to you soon. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.